Welcome to the Many Stories of Africans on the Rise, a podcast series about inspirational members of the African community. Our guests are people you may never have heard of, but who've made a difference for themselves and the community, sometimes against seemingly insurmountable odds, often through extraordinary self-sacrifice or awesome ingenuity, coupled with unparalleled persistence and resilience. In this episode of the Many Stories of Africans on the Rise, we discover the journey of Kenya-born Katindan Dola, best known as the personal development queen. Katindan Dola is an author and one of the very few African Australians in the personal development, coaching and motivational speaking space in Australia. Here is Katindan's story in a nutshell in her own words. If you don't know my story, you think, oh, she got it easy or this. It's not the case. There was a lot of tears, a lot of sweat, a lot of blood. But Katina's story is much more than what you just heard. Now, let's embark on Katina Ndola's journey. Now, Katina Ndola, motivational speaking, helping people build a confidence and self-esteem muscle is a niche sector. We don't see many Africans in this space. Tell us about your journey getting into this line of work. You see, I used to run a hair salon and a bar, restaurant, cafe with live music. So I was always doing customer service, talking to people every day. And especially the hair salon is a place where most people, especially women, when they go to the hair salon, it's always about complaining. They're always complaining about something's not right. And most, most of the time, the complaints are always about relationships. Oh, my husband didn't do this. Oh, my boyfriend didn't do this. Oh, I can't find somebody. So the process of being in the hair salon and working with all these people and listening to their challenges, I started to think, what is the better way to help these people in terms of not just beauty, what about going deeper, connecting to their hearts? What is it I can actually do to support them in a more meaningful way? And when I did my research, actually, as a matter of fact, what happened is this was just pure coincidence. I was on the internet, you know, everybody's always looking at all these inspirational um, pieces that we see. And then something popped up and this was a, an event, a networking event with uh, Sir Richard Branson being the, the guest. So I signed up for this event and I went to this event. And from that event, one thing led to another. You no, know, I've met all these amazing um, teachers, I would say, you know, people who are doing amazing things in the planet, making impact. And I met my publisher in the same event. That's how I wrote my book. But in that event made me go to a bigger event. I went to a Tony Robbins event in Sydney, UPW, which is Unleash the Power Within. And from that event, it gave me direction as to where I need to go with helping these women. You know, every time they complain, I was like, wow. So I could be a coach and I could help them with relationships. I could help them with intimacy. I could help them with self-esteem. And this is just how one thing led to another. And before I knew it, this is where we are today. One would expect that uh, to be in this space, you have to have a background in counseling or psychology or something in that line. Interesting you ask. 
my background is so different. I'm 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 a IT. Uh, my degree is in IT, and I've also got a political science uh, postgraduate diploma. So it's nothing to do with my business, like my hair salon and bar restaurant. That was just a passion. So when this came about, I think it was more about life experience and life things that happened in my life that triggered me mostly to be in this space, because I realized it's about lived in experiences. I think 100% of the world, the planet, the biggest problem we have or challenges is relationships. And it's not necessarily relationships with lovers or partners, just relationships in general. You know, people are not building relationships and they're not building strong relationships because I believe we don't maybe know how. So when I figured out that that's a, a, a weakness that most of us have, I thought this is something I'm really enjoying. So I love helping people build strong foundations. And then that's why this for me was more passion, was based on life experience, my own life experiences, my own relationship failures, all things that happened to me. And I thought, I don't want this to happen to someone else. There must be a better way. And I didn't have to be a, a counselor and all those things because I'm a coach and a coach is different from a therapist. So we hold your hand and we guide you all the way, depending where you're at in life. It's, at the, I guess at the time it's when we're talking to you, where are you at right now? But then we want to know where you're coming from, where do you want to go? And then we hold you accountable by guiding you and giving you the steps forward. You develop these ideas in your book, The Big Comeback. Actually, the title, in my view, implies that uh, you help those who have had a setback in their lives and are bouncing back, not someone who's had a trajectory that's kind of a, a straight line, if I might say so. No, 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 no. Life is full of detours, bumps, crossroads. You know, there's, there's no such thing as a straight line. It might look like that way when people look at someone when they've actually failed so many times and now they've really never let themselves, they've never gave up. So they're up there trying to make things look right. But it looks easy when you're looking at someone's like in my space when I'm speaking. But nobody, if you don't know my story, you think, oh, she got it easy or this. It's not the case. It's, there was a lot of tears, a lot of sweat, a lot of blood. It's, yeah, it's, everybody has something. And really, at the end of the day, we all experience life setbacks. But then the setback should not always be your downfall. The setback is just getting you ready for your big comeback, which is you always rise above all these hardships, all these detours, all these bumps you hit in life. Because So for me, I would say the trigger for my book was maybe more so, even the title, the title was more about at the time when this was the book that I was writing, what I was going through in my life at that point in time, I was transitioning. So like most people, you know, they write a song because maybe they've had a breakup and they're hurting and, you know, you just express by writing. So I was in that crossroad and even it's in my book. So I was in that state where I was running a business. I was doing all these amazing things. And then my relationship breaks down. I've got this child. I've got myself where to like, literally, I didn't know what my future had. Like everything was unknown. Everything was so uncertain. I always thought I always wanted to write a book. And I thought, what a perfect timing. This is the right time. And this is just how everything came together because of the time when I was in the deep, I was in the deep end with not knowing, uncertainty, confusion, you know, like everybody, you know, we get confused, you don't have clarity, you don't know what's going on. And then I guess when you really 
self-reflect, you wake up real quick because you realize, hey, it's not only downhill, it's uphill from here. So for me, I think I snapped out of it very quickly, especially as I said, I went to um, the networking event where Sir Richard Branson was speaking and those things were the triggers to open my mind in a bigger way, to let me and said, oh, there's a bigger world out there waiting for you. Now, being an African, this space is very rare. And to my knowledge, this is also a male-dominated space. Again, being an African and a woman must come with some challenges. Tell us about your exceptional circumstances in this space. Well, I think it's a mindset. Let's put it this way, because there's a lot of fields of work that are very male-dominated, and you don't see a lot of women. And sometimes I don't think it's always because it's just male-dominated. It's just women don't want to venture because they think it's too competitive, it's too difficult. So for me, I think when I got into it, I knew there'll be majority will be males, yes, and especially in the speaking space. A lot of it you find it's a lot of males. But I think it was just a challenge that a woman can do that too. I was happy to play and get in and learn because at the end of the day, whatever the challenge is, it's not a challenge, it's actually a lesson. You're learning how to play. And because life is a game, right? It's called the game of life. So I found some of the challenges, things like obviously, you know, men, when they speak, especially in the speaking room, men have a certain way they speak and it's acceptable. But the women, and I'm a very expressive woman. I talk with my hands. I do a lot of things. I remember my publisher one time he was in town and I had to speak in front of, I think, a thousand people. I talk with my hands. I do all this thing. And I remember him saying, oh, you need to cut that down. It's a bit too much. And in my head, I'm thinking, why do I need to follow the rules of why other, how other people do it? I'm unique. This is how I talk. This is how I express. I'm happy to do it my way. It's my, it's my way. I don't have to follow. You know, with everything we are programmed, you know, just because this is how they do it, this is how they expect you to do it. So that's some of the challenges being female because men can walk and talk in front of the stage with their hands in their pocket. A woman cannot do that. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look feminine enough. So it's... There's so many things which we almost feel limited because of what the males do that we can't do. So I chose to not follow. I'm not a follower. I like to do what works for me. And I found that was a little bit of conflict with my publisher a little bit, but he was okay because he realized it works for me. You can't always structure things in a certain way just because that's how it's always been done by the males. I'm like, I'm female. I don't hold my hands akimbo. I don't have to do it, but I talk with my hands and I'm okay. I'm giving the message, people are getting the message, so I don't know what's the problem. So I challenge that and I just do it my way. Wow, that's an interesting way of dealing with the sexism and uh, tackling some really challenging uh, issues. Now, when dealing with Africans, in my experience, Africans express uh, sexism and uh, cultural sensitivities in quite a different way. Now, how do you approach these issues? when dealing with uh, your African clients or just uh, speaking in front of an African setting? Okay, so I'll give you an example in the African setting. Okay, I've, I've, been, I've spoken in a few times in front of events with African people. Um, I know there's a way, especially the males in certain cultures, the males are more dominant in certain ways. But as I said, I don't follow because I'm there to do a job and my job needs to be done well. It doesn't, I don't need to be directed by other people when I know what I'm good at what I do. So I found, yes, they try to give you direction, but they also interfere while you're trying to do stuff because it's not their way. But who said their way is the right way? 
So for me, I always go, look, I'm delivering something. I know it's been received properly. I don't know what is the issue. So let me do my job. Because if you don't let me do my job, then I'm going to step aside and you can take over. So it's a question of just communicating uh, these things because people have learned to do things in a certain way. And then change is very hard, especially for African people. They have this thing, especially being male, it's almost like you're female, you should take instructions. And it's almost like if I don't agree with you, guess what? Then I'm not going to do that because I'm not your typical female who takes instructions from things that don't seem to be working. So I'm one of those, like for me, I think my personality and my mindset is so strong that if something's not right, then we have a problem. I won't go along with it. Like most people probably would, but I don't. I think a lot of people who work with me now know my value and they know I challenge things. And some of them maybe won't work with me because they know I'll question things. But I'm happy. The truth is always the best way. You know, you work with your truth. And my truth is if I'm on a stage, I want to give the best I can without interference and without following somebody else's direction. Because then that's not my truth. What state of mind were you in when you embarked on uh, this journey? Often one has to be in a particular state of mind to make such a change. So at that point in my life, I think what happened is I had a business, as I said before, I had a hair salon, bar, restaurant, live music. Sometimes life gets too much. So I, had, I was very busy with that. I had a child as well, and my relationship was failing. What all these things came together, I walked away from that relationship because I realized my sanity is critical and it's very important and I keep my sanity. So when I walked away from that, I needed to do something. I, I'm not a big believer of pity party, sitting there saying, oh, why me? Why did it happen to me? What am I going to do next? So I'm not that kind of person. So I, I took time off. But then in that space, as I said, I went online and I was just looking at all these inspirational quotes. You know, you see all these things, be the change you want to see in the world by Gandhi, all this amazing stuff. So what triggered me was I thought my life doesn't feel great. I hit a low too. I'm just what I'm saying doesn't mean that I didn't hit a low. I hit a low point where I didn't trust anybody. I felt everybody was my enemy. I felt everybody was out to get me, backstab me. I went for therapy. I, as I said, I'm not a, I don't fear going for therapy. I don't worry about what people think because at the end of the day, it's my life, my health. I went to different sorts of therapies to just try to get my head around things. Everybody, when you're in that state, when you have a relationship breakdown, and my relationship was also attached to my work. So it was not just a relationship and I can still go to work. It was my relationship and my work at, at the same time. So those are two things which are so critical in my life that stopped. And then I started getting, finding ways to express who I was or what I wanted in life or what I could be or how I could help other people. Because I knew for sure what I was going through is not just unique to me. I'm a human being in this planet with everybody else. It's something that many people go through Maybe I was lucky enough for me to be the kind of person I was. I was able to analyze it, snap out of it very quickly. I didn't really stay in that space. You know, I cried. I was, I'm a big believer. I never used to cry. I could never do that. I was like, no, nah, I'm too strong for this. This is weakness. So I, let, I allowed myself to let go. I allowed myself to cry the pain, to let the suffering go. I allowed myself to try and start healing. And the only way I could do that was to allow myself to start figuring out what's next for me. What can I start doing that... Uh, stimulates my brain, that makes me excited, that gives me my smile back, that gives me the energy to, to love people again. Because at that point, you hate the world. You hate everybody. You see people, you think they're everywhere. It's almost like, oh my gosh, I don't want to see anybody because they all drive me crazy. Once I got myself 
out of that deep with going to, you know, as I said, online, finding all these fashionable things, getting myself together to go to these seminars, which also was not easy because it's, you isolate yourself and then you want to get back in the world. It's not as easy, but you have to do it. Nobody else is going to do it for you. So you went from being low and really down, but then bounced back. But coming back to embarking on your journey to become a motivational speaker and a personal development coach, you said that a catalyst was going to major events by some of the greatest speakers and uh, coaches in the world. Yet we know that when these megastars come to town, of course, they usually park big arenas, but still, for one to make a decision to go and attend their events, it's not like going to a concert. Katinda, what prompted you to attend these events that... Uh, ultimately would change the course of your life for me this was not about anybody told me about it I, I didn't even know this world existed the coaching industry I had no idea that helping people when you're not a therapist is called coaching I had no clue so for me it was more about what can I do because I'm in that space where I'm not running my hair salon anymore I'm not running my bar anymore I'm not in my relationship well I felt like I was a little bit free and I could change my trajectory of my life. Then I could think and do something else. And I'm one of those people, I grab opportunity. I never sit and say, poor me. I don't do self-pity. No, I don't do pity party. I just sat there and I was thinking, what do I need to do? So I was finding motivation online. Like I said, I was going online looking for all these amazing statements and saying, you know, uh, things like Gandhi, you know, things he says about be the change you want to see in the world. You know, those kind of things. So all those things were inspiring, but I knew inspiration is just one thing. You know, you can get inspired, but if you don't take inspired action and do something about it, you're going nowhere. I mean, you can sit home reading. It's like social media. You can read all these amazing things and listen to all these amazing things, but you have to take action. You have to lift a finger. You have to get up and do something. That's what happened. So I was looking at all those things. And what, as I said, you know, the computer algorithm is so crazy. It popped up this seminar. And this is how this came out. I was just on the computer browsing, a seminar popped up. I clicked on it. I called them up to find out what this is about. And they said, yeah, we've got this, we've got that. And I'm like, yeah, great. I'm happy to come. How much are the tickets? And they paid for a ticket. And the interesting part is I paid for a ticket, but then they asked me if I wanted to get an upgrade to have a drink and dinner with Richard Branson to be in that space. And I was like, yeah, why not? And this is just how, you know, you start getting in spaces with people who are so highly motivated, you know, who just do things. They just don't speak, they do. And once you get in that click, you know, they say you're like the average of the five people you spend time with. So I started to see the fire in these people. They were really, they had fire in their belly. They were really not just talkers, they do. And that was contagious. And I think I picked that up and I was like, yeah, let's go. I'm ready. Bring it on. That's what happened. And then from one thing, I went to the Tony Robbins from Tony Robbins. I was writing a book before I knew it. I was speaking at events, you know, just, just the things just started rolling because I was open to it. I did not let fear, like I talk in my book about fear. And that was the first chapter because the first thing that happens to everybody, when you think of big ideas, big dreams, fear gets you because you're thinking, oh, I don't know anybody who's done that before. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, this is not for me. So fear was the first thing that I guess most people feel. But for me, I don't know. Maybe it's the way I was raised. I've always pretty much been pretty much fearless in a lot of ways. I like to take risks because I know life is about risk. I mean, the truth is we won't get out alive. So you may as well risk while you're here. 
because at the end of the day, it's risky to be alive. So that's how everything came together. That's it for this episode of The Many Voices of Africans on the Rise. A big thanks to Katinda Ndola for sharing her story. I'm Bertrand Dungandami. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to sharing more stories of the many voices of Africans on the rise with you.